I'm Matt Booker. And I'm Dave Laird. And I'm Nick Maniatis. And I've got the Howling Phantods. Well, awesome. Welcome, everybody, too. This is episode 10 of The Great Concavity, and we, as an exciting guest, get to welcome on Nick Maniatis, who is the proprietor of the Howling Phantods website, which I would describe as kind of the hub for David Foster Wallace news, blog links, um, David Foster Wallace Amazon ads, uh, and other things <laughs> like that. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's great to have you. Oh, it's, it's great to be here. It's awesome. Nick is coming up, I gotta say, on, on nineteen years of running this website. Wow, that's amazing, man. It's it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah. That's almost as long as Infinite Justice went out. Well, yeah, pretty much. I probably should do something about that. Every I, I think every time an anniversary's passed I've kind of realized six months later or something. I'm not so good with that <laughs> stuff. But uh I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just not it's just always running in the background and I just forget about it. <laughs> let's let's get right into it though. Let's have Nick give his intro and tell us how you first discovered Dave Foster Wallace in Australia, and um, you, you know what what the background of the website is, all that stuff. We want to get into it. Yeah. All right. I I have this fear of retelling stories, and you you know that kind of the neurological thing of when you retell stories and you make changes, and then the changes become real in your memories. So when I start, <laughs> when, I, when when I'm, I'm sometimes I'm loath to commit things to to tape, as it were. Mm. But mm. anyway, I um. I know that my when I was living at home with my parents, there was this huge national newspaper review of Infinite Jest with a big picture of Dave Foster Wallace, and I've never been able to track down exactly what newspaper that was. But I remember reading the review and thinking, whoa, I'm completely interested in tracking down this book. And I think it wasn't until a few months later that I found it at the front of a bookshop, discounted, um, hardcover, um, one of the first editions with the Volman era on the back. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, so in Australia, but um, I impulse bought it, and I think I was at the other side of Canberra, so I was catching a bus, public transport home, where I read those first sort of 20 pages or so, and yeah. I haven't looked back. Um, <laughs> really, I, I did stall in my first reading. I stalled around the 250, 300 page mark, uh, yeah. and it took me a few months to pick it up again. I was you know, busy with uni and, and studies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but sure, yeah. that's you know that time around then 1996-97 was when you know the web was exploding and and was everywhere mm-hmm. and at university it was wonderful to kind of have that that access and computer labs in the library and those kinds of things and mm-hmm. uh, as a byproduct I set up my GeoCities personal web page. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this. I remember yeah, it. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, um, and and that was that was my first foray, I guess, into web stuff. And it was these are my favorite books, and these are my favorite musicians. And it was mostly links to, you know, Yahoo's oh, yeah. extensive index, and and animated Simpson gifs and stuff. <laughs> and uh, and and yeah, that, that that was kind of suddenly I I, I recall finishing restarting Infinite Jest again, finishing it in a very short amount of time, and the last last three three or four hundred pages in um, no time at all. Just hard, hard binging. Yeah, that's right. And and searching online, there wasn't much Wallace stuff. There was Bob Wake's collection of Infinite Jest reviews, and there was I think it was Andrew Sandley. I think that's his name. 
I should have looked that up beforehand. Um, he had a, a little Wallace website, and as I was when I was younger, I was hugely competitive, and I just <laughs> wanted to. I, I guess I just wanted to collect everything that was Wallace related in the same spot. So it really was just a collection of links to start with, um, right. and then it very rapidly got out of control. Uh, <laughs> I, your time spent at university was not spent studying; it was adding content and. Um, you know, joint discovering Wallace L and jumping on there and 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 lurking a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of got to that point that my site was bigger than all the others. Um, and and I and and I'm, You'd I'm annex here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm here in Australia, um, on the other side of the world, to where all the excitement was. Uh, yeah. So it was it was kind of odd because I felt very isolated, um, and to a certain extent still do. Um, but had, I think for the first time in my life, really had that aha moment with the internet as you can meet like-minded people and track down all kinds of stuff. And it's just incredible. Yeah. Mm, well, cool. and, and I should say here, I, I discovered the website in 1997. Shortly after I started reading the book, I, I went looking for something related to the, to the book and found it with Wallace L and found it with Nick's website. And I feel like Nick and I have been through a lot together over the past yes. 19 years. And I feel like, so Nick and I have met once and got mm-hmm. to hang out in 2009 in New yep. York at the footnotes conference, which was oh, cool. amazing. But throughout all of this, I feel like there are very few people who I can truly relate to who have been through the sort of publicity scandals and all this yes. crap that Nick yeah. and I have been through together. But mm. like Nick and I are also about the same age, have yes. kids about the same age. And so we have sort of grown up with this book together yeah, and really gone through this experience of becoming adults while, you know, being interested in the same things, which is rare because like, he's, like Nick said, I, like I felt isolated too for a while. And I felt like, you know, there's not that many people, even if I meet someone who's read the book, it's not the same as if I meet someone like Nick, who has been there since 1997. And we've been through a lot of the same trials and travails. And like, it's hard to actually communicate what what those periods of time were like. Yeah. Sounds like a real like Buildings Roman uh, experience you guys have had. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit like that. (laughs) But I, I just want to reiterate, like how how important Nick is to the Wallace community yeah. is is very important because people even back in 1997, who before Google existed, went looking for the website. Mm. I think I found his website on Web Crawler. Yes, it wasn't, oh, wow. even, it wasn't even on Yahoo. I like I was using Web Crawler at the time with that like spider logo. I loved it. I loved yeah. Web Crawler <laughs> and Alta Vista and Alta Vista, Nick at the time. Yeah. So Nick, either somewhere around 1998, had uh, message boards, easy board, uh, and I loved the message boards. I was all yeah. about message boards back in the day, and, mm, yeah. and mm. also with Wallace L. This is around the time I joined the Wallace list in 1998 or so, and I was just in love because it was pure text, and you could no. pretend to be anyone, and that was it. There was no avatars, no nothing. Those message boards, that is the... There's a, there's, a, there's a hole in my heart and a pit in my stomach about that. Um, <laughs> I, because, you know, it was – I was a student. I didn't have any money. Um, I, I really couldn't afford to pay for any hosting. So easy boards were, were super popular. 
and mm. there was some great stuff on that on those bulletin board things that we had running. Well, uh, and there was a community of people. There was a, there yep, was a yep, huge community. Was. And, and there was a huge hack that happened to the easy boards. Um, and uh, hundreds of boards had all of their content wiped. Um, and I also realized I didn't really have the time to moderate. Uh, I'm, I'm never a person that I can feel I can be monitoring 24-7. Um, and there was a lot of moderation happening within the community on, on those boards. But that that kind of set in my mind, with those gone, I'm not going to set that up and run that. If, um, if somebody else wants to do it, I'll link to it and say that it exists. But yeah. it was it was just soul-destroying. I remember one of my favourite threads on there was a, a thread where somebody tried to um, track Don Gately versus um, the trials of Roman God. Um, <laughs> or, or character, whatever. Um, is it Hercule- Hercules? Yeah, Hercules. Hercules. Yeah, Hercules. Hercules. And, and, you know, it was one of those things of looking for textual evidence to support that. And, and it was one of those, oh, there's, there's so much more in Infinite Jest, maybe, than I even realised at that stage. There was some, some great stuff. And when that all disappeared, it was just horrible. Well, and that's what I loved about it is it was people who immediately put down the book and went looking for someone to talk to. Yes. And, and Wallacell was very hard to figure out and join at the time. Mm. You know, we used a really tricky, you had to know like Unix commands to join Wallacell <laughs> at the time. And so it was very hard to join. Whereas like the easy boards, you could just sort of click on and type your name. And I don't yep. even think it saved your login info. Um. Oh, this, oh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe you could just title them. You could, I, I'm sure I, 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 I'm the type of person that likes to set up if you can log in without having to supply a password and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember people had all kinds of names on there. And it was just I remember great. having just such good debates about, like, what actually happened in, like, page references mm. and tons of Infinite Just conversations on there. And I, I remember the day you took it down, I was just completely crushed. Well, I <laughs> wasn't my choice. <laughs> no, I know you had no choice. And I, I mean, there was, it was a site-wide thing affected yeah. every easy board. But still, I, I just remember thinking like, wow, that those conversations are gone forever. And like, they still are. That's been like, what, 15 years yep. ago? There are some through archive.org that you can track down um, from the early ones, but it's not much. It's, it's the first... It's the first couple of months of it, I think, um, where it was sort of thin on the ground. Uh, not uh, not worthy enough, I think, to, to dredge through, although except for reminiscing, I guess. So I'm like, shit, that might be 17 years ago, Nick. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, that's the, it's, a, it's a lifetime. That's what it feels like to me. Um, when you mentioned before growing up and growing yeah. up growing up with Infinite Jest and, and this stuff, that's that's a, I reflect on that quite a bit these days. Um, and particularly with um, Infinite Winter running, and uh, that that little that little post that I made, which was quite short, but it was quite fraught when I was writing that, because um, I, I, there was a, there was a stage where I was so obsessed with Infinite Jest that it felt like a problem, um, and yeah, I really which had to step thematically back from it. quite funny. Mm-hmm. I, well, it, absolutely, and uh, I have to admit that it took me a long time to realise that. Uh, and and then suddenly when the switch popped on in my head and I thought, hang on, maybe, oh, maybe this is one of these things where I have to step back from it from a bit, which is what I did. Uh, <laughs> I just, just yeah, I was not reading widely. I was completely stuck in Infinite Jazz, picking it up for, you know, you had your Comfort Reads conversation um, a mm-hmm. couple of episodes ago. Was that the, 
and t- twenty fifteen wrap up or something, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that I moved away from it intentionally. Uh, hmm. It was good. That's fascinating. I mean, for me, Nick, I, I I relate to that very much because there's been times where I remember five, six years ago where I wanted to step away from all of this crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and really, I, I just couldn't, I, like, I somehow couldn't. And it was, like, really baffling to me that I couldn't um, just do something else. Yes. Like, I couldn't. Like, I, I still had, like, it was so woven into my almost daily life that I, I've just sort of given up now. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've resigned I, yourself to this phase. Yeah. I mean, this is just sort of, like, who I am. I think, like, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine not being involved in some way do you know yes. what i mean yeah same absolutely um i mean this pod this podcast is awesome uh when uh, I, the podcast that uh, a teaching mate of mine runs and i host for him um uh, uh, six months ago i was saying oh maybe i should do a wallace podcast but i also knew that my organizational habits to get something regular going are not so great so you know, it was pretty exciting to hear that youtube had had started this one because i knew that oh, awesome. that would give me the kind of stuff that i wanted to listen to and i wouldn't oh, have cool. to do anything wouldn't have to have anything to do with it so yeah that, <laughs> well, that, i hope i hope we didn't like snake your idea or something we didn't know no, no way <laughs> or after two episodes it was quite clear you were going to way more depth than i was ever going to so, so, so yeah and yeah already the caliber of the guests and stuff has been wonderful so well i appreciate that nick and really yeah, i have awesome. to give a lot of the credit to dave there because it was totally uh, his, his idea or maybe even his wife's idea. Yeah, it was Rachel's idea. But, but I got to say, a lot of that wouldn't have happened. I don't think I would have met Dave if it were not for the Illinois State Conference. Mm. And, and there were last year when Dave and I were talking about this at in Illinois, there were a, a handful, at least a half dozen Australians there. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a huge Australian community showing up to these things, which was incredible. Like I was blown away that there were so many people there from Australia. Well, it's probably probably good time to mention, and I know a few players behind the scenes know about it, but there is there is an Australian conference in the works. Um, right. We 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 haven't Tony Tony yeah, Tony sort of Martin, that together. Yeah yeah, 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 totally. Um, and uh, timing is the big issue right now. Um, Australia being out of sync with the rest of the planet. Um, particularly sure. in, in teaching times and, and all of that kind of thing. So trying to, I think right now it's a matter of trying to find the best time where we can get the best speakers out. And, you know, with any conference kind of organisation thing, you know that when you get some good speakers and you lock them in, then it, it happens. Um, and we're, we're pretty convinced there'll be some people that will use it as an excuse to come and visit Australia, and that's not a bad thing at all. Um, mm-hmm. And... And, well, yeah. the thing that amazes me about that is that how much I end up caring about that the kind of community that those conferences produce because everyone who's been to a Wallace conference and now there's been a lot like there's been like a dozen different Wallace conferences. Everyone who goes, they talk more about the community of people that they meet rather than about I mean, the scholarship is definitely important and you learn a ton, but just the connections that you make with people. I mean, I'm still talking about the time when you and I met up and there was yep. you know, Adam Kelly and David Herring and all the people who came over for the 2009 <laughs> conference. And that's, that's coming up on, you know, that's over six years ago. Yes. And 
I, th I think, wow, every one of the conferences that I've been to, like, I, I actually do care about these communities. In a way, I think, oh, you know, I should care more about, you know, textual problems and be more highbrow. <laughs> On the other hand, I think, like, no, I, I am who I am, and I really do care about, like, people who want to be part of these communities. Yeah, totally. I feel like if I ever have to miss one of these conferences in the future, it's going to feel like being grounded by your parents, you know, like in senior high and all your friends are at the party <laughs> and you're like stuck at home. That <laughs> uh, there's this for me to get over to the U S now, it's just so complicated with a young family and, and, and tricky and taking time out from teaching and everything. It, it'd be nice to kind of have something on this side of the world for a, for a little bit. That'd be, you know, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I just have such fond memories of that footnotes conference, just incredible memories incredible memories are you guys planning for it to be in melbourne um yes i'm, I'm not sure exactly um melbourne is the focus yeah. of um you know where tony is and where some other up-and-coming scholars are which is pretty exciting uh you know it looks it looks like I'm, I'm i'm trying to be you know a bit guarded about this but it looks like we might be able to secure some funding for it um which is you know always something that's going to make something like that happen and we've got a few pretty cool ideas about what we might run with um so yeah I, I think the original focus was maybe at the end of this year but that the timing might be tight for that it might that might blow out to next year i'm not sure yet but oh, yeah. but mm. yeah when we when we know for sure yeah you'll you'll hear cool. more definitely i'll do i'll do everything i can to make it down maybe i can meet john safran while i'm there oh so when you mentioned that that book i love that book <laughs> so, i mean yeah it was funny when you were talking that's great about hey? john safran yeah and he I've, yeah you you t went back to i'm um, talking about music jamboree um did yeah. you manage to see any of his uh skits from from the tv show race around the world uh just sort of the stuff that he had on that and on the shows, dvd yeah yeah but yeah. nothing, nothing too far beyond that. No. Yeah. So on um, ABC Television, I think many years ago, there was a show where they got you know six young, up and coming <laughs> media students or you know people interested, and they sent them around the world. They had to put in a documentary every week, um, and yeah. uh, you know the audience and the, they had panel of judges and that kind of thing. And um, I don't think John Safran won when he was in it, but he was the audience choice for just doing crazy, crazy just for being things. Absolutely all over the world. bananas. Yeah. 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 Ab absolutely. He's, he's a wild. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, have you seen anything by John Safran? You got to check this guy out. He's so funny. I think you sent me a link, Dave. We'll have to put one on our website yeah. so other people can enjoy <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, yeah. As well. I want I want his his uh, his stuff to get further out into the world because it doesn't seem like a lot of people outside of Australia mm. know much about him too often. That's right. And but I try and spread the word as much as I can. Well, one I he's notorious for performing stunts that create huge problems as well yeah um, like legal problems yeah 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 um but one of the, one of the interesting things that used to be on youtube was a failed pilot for a cooking show and um oh, so yeah. it starts off like a cooking show making i don't know something some maybe it was burger patties or something i'm not sure and it's like you know you need this ingredient this ingredient now you need some beef and then it cuts and he's in an abattoir and they sort of show them <laughs> putting the bulk of the cow's head and then you know slicing it up and so is that kind of you know, this is where your food comes from. We're showing you a cooking yeah. show. We're going right yeah. back to the roots. Um, and it, I think its pilot didn't get picked up for obvious reasons. It's not really mainstream television. A little too doing. visceral. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, like the scene in John Safran versus God where he goes to the Haitian voodoo ceremony. Yes, yes. And uh, he's involved with, like, a 
killing of a goat that's yep. very graphic and mm-hmm. involves its testicles and yeah, it's intense. And on his um, you, you mentioned John Saffron versus God as well on the other podcast, the uh, the one where yeah. he, you know experiences a religions thing. Was that the same one? Yeah, that's the same one, isn't it? And yeah. when the possession yeah. episode, um, yeah, he he, he um, and goes through an exorcism. He he ran. Mm. I think they've just finished up here. It had a radio show on Sunday nights called um, where that was him and um, with Father God. Father, Father Bob. Bob. Father Bob. Yeah, a priest down in Father Melbourne. Bob McGuire. Um, Triple J. Bob McGuire. Yeah, on Triple J. And um, that was something that I didn't listen to on Sunday nights. I downloaded the podcast and listened when riding to work. And he's obsessed <laughs> yeah, yeah. with with um, possession and exorcism stuff. Um, yeah, sure. And, is. and, and yeah, he's, he's an odd. Yeah. odd well, man. we'll have to check that out later. Anyways, what I was saying yeah, about let's Infinite get back on track. Winter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the infinite winter thing, uh, you know, yes. I've been really surprised about how that the uh, maybe it's the twentieth anniversary, maybe it's the enthusiasm of Mark Flanagan, who is the coordinator of Infinite Winter. But there have been a lot of other attempts to have big rereads, and I mean, Nick and I, I was thinking we've been involved in like at least like half a dozen of yes. other attempts that haven't really gotten off the ground as well as this one has that's right dave you're one of the guides why do you think this one is being so successful right now well i think a lot of it has to do probably with like as you said mark has just been like an amazing advocate for it and the social media presence and support has been pretty outstanding like um, i'm just seeing i'm just seeing it everywhere on facebook and on twitter and instagram so um i think also too like the way that Mark has reached out to members of the Wallace community that people who have done like artistic projects like Corey yes. and, and Nathan and, and then asking us doing the podcast. Um, I think that has probably helped somewhat with, uh, with sort of those people are all active. And then, so they're all tweeting things out and Instagramming things. And so it's just kind of the tentacles have just have gone out. And I think, uh, I think Mark's done a really awesome job of that really enthusiastic job. So I think that's probably part of it. I also think too the name probably helps. Like a lot of people were familiar with Infinite Summer, and so just going with another season and and saying Infinite Winter probably sort of sparks that for people, that association. So it's a yeah, it's a, it, that that's worked really well. Um, uh, I, I think he's just done a great job setting it up, and he's got, and the the range of people um, doing those blog posts weekly and introducing. It's, yeah. it's such a diverse range of people, so that there it's not yeah. just kind of limited to. Um, that complete textual approach um, mm-hmm. be- because of all the different things that people are bringing to it. I'm, I'm enjoying following. I always do. I always, all the reads, yeah. I lurk more often than not these days. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's that way to, to, to experience a first reading again when you get somebody yeah. who's reading for the first time and their excitement and making the connections and it's, mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. Yeah, Once it's again, kind of stopping you from finding something reimagining. Else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, what I was going to say is that all those people, all the guides have at least been to one of the DFW conferences mm. in Illinois. So right. it's actually people who have met at some point. And I, I think that's what does it is that there's a level of enthusiasm that Illinois State has been able to provide. And I really hope that they're yeah. able to keep that going the third annual conference is coming up this year, yes. and uh, unfortunately, they moved it to the middle of summer. It was in May yeah. the past two years, and they moved it to the weekend, which I'm not going to be able to attend. So I'm yeah. I'm already really sad about not being able to attend that because every year I feel like I've met just a ton of incredible people who end up doing all of these interesting things. Yeah, exactly. So like I, you know, maybe ten years ago I couldn't have imagined that. 
well, let's say it's five years ago, I couldn't have imagined that there would actually be like an ongoing annual conference in one place. So yeah. I think that's that's actually been a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, yeah. Having that permanent calendar spot, knowing that that it, every year there is somewhere for people to share ideas and, and you know, mm-hmm. bounce, bounce ideas and the upcoming work and what have you off each other is pretty exciting um, for, yeah. for all manner of reasons. And all the creative stuff coming out of it as well is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like as I say, it's given birth to all these other things. Infinite Winter, I think, has also been helped by the fact of this 20th anniversary coming up. And I got to say, I was looking at the calendar today thinking it's no one yet has posted a picture of this 20th anniversary edition. And I'm sort of surprised like a, a galley of it hasn't leaked or, mm. Uh, mm. you know, I, I want to see a, a picture of this book. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, with Nick, with Nick and I, so Nick and I occasionally back, um, Little Brown used to have a different director of publicity yes. who was great named Marlena Bittner. And she was great. And occasionally she would send us Dave Foster Wallace books mm-hmm. yep. to review in advance, but she left and she took a new job. And so it's always a crapshoot for me of like, are they going to send me a new one mm. or am I, am I going to need to <laughs> buy it? So I get it, you know, first right off hand. So yeah. I just went ahead and pre-ordered this thing, and I'm like, I'm checking oh, yeah. the status of it like every day right now <laughs> to see, am I going to get this new cover? Even though I'm not a huge fan of the cover, I think they could have done a little bit better. I, I still, <laughs> I, I need it. I really need it. Yeah, dear publishers listening to this podcast, you can feel free to send us free David Foster Wallace <laughs> books and materials uh, whenever you like, and we'll talk about them on the show. Hey, we have a lot of listeners. Nick has a ton of hits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we are the folks, right? And so we should be getting this stuff, but like it's a crapshoot. Like some years we don't, we, some years we do, some years we don't. So I'm yeah. like, uh, I cannot live without this. So I mean, maybe they they know that, and they're like, hey, two extra sales by not <laughs> free copy. Well, I think I've got um, I think Claire Hayes Brady's um books on the way mm-hmm. to me from somewhere. Um, I can't yeah. wait to get my hands on that. I'm so excited. So the Bloomsbury book. Yeah, she's a she's yeah. a fantastic writer, and really, Bloomsbury has become a sort of de facto like Wallace Studies publisher. Yes, they have. And now they have published at least a half dozen or more Wallace Studies books, and more forthcoming. Almost every big one that gets snapped up is forthcoming from Bloomsbury. Hmm. David Herring's book, I know, they're coming out in September. I can't wait to get a copy of that book and. That's going to be fantastic because it really just looks at, you know, the fiction and it, it doesn't mess around with a lot of other parts. It gets to sort of a lot of core problems. Like when that book comes out is Bloomsbury, Claire Hayes Brady, Bloomsbury. Yes. Um, you know, Marshall Boswell had a book called the the long David Foster Wallace and the long, long thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good collection. Was, that one as well. That was a fantastic. Yeah. Uh, another one I'm really looking forward to since we're on this topic now is um, Columbia University Press my former employer, <laughs> who, who I love. I loved working there, honestly. They're a great company. And they have sort of become a David Foster Wallace publisher by publishing that Fate, Time, and Language book. Yes. And then the Freedom and the Self book last year. Mm. And then next year, or this year, they have the um, Jeffrey Seavers book coming out. Right. So Jeff Seavers has a book on Wallace coming out, which looks really good. I think he's one of the better... Uh, you know, young scholars out there working on Dave Foster Wallace stuff. Uh, and like I say, there are also a handful of those in Australia too that I know have books in the works. Lucas Thompson, I've got to meet several times. Yeah. I don't know if you've met him, but like fantastic no. Wallace scholar from Australia. 
so I, I I'm really excited about like you know this is I feel like it's somehow just now ramping up at the 20th anniversary it's crazy I, I, I love reading the critical stuff I always have um, and it, it, it kind of gives me teaching high school I don't always get to the uh, those literary peaks that maybe <laughs> I find totally rewarding but that's okay I love, I love working with teenagers um, yeah. but when when these books arrive I yeah, I, I love just sitting there and devouring them. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the the, um, the freedom in the self collection. There are a couple of really interesting pieces in there. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. I often read them on car trips between here and the south coast. Um, There's one about happiness, and I remember one about the yeah. hedgehog. Yes. Hedgehog. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know they're. they're there's a lot out there. If you get into Wallace and you're, you're interested in the, the critical side, there's so, so, so much. Yeah, it is blowing up lately. Well, and like I say, what's amazing to me is that there was a time where you could keep up with this and Nick and I could feel like, oh, we've read, <laughs> yeah. we've read everything. And now I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm getting so far behind. Like yes. there's no way I can catch up. Same. Yeah. Um, and there's just an incredible amount of stuff coming out every year. New papers. I mean, it used to be a big deal when there was like one big critical that's paper, that's paper right. that yeah. was published. But now that I mean, that's a regular occurrence. And I mean, Jeff Jeff Sievers has a ton of papers that have been published in academic journals that just really haven't been digested by the even the larger Wallace Studies crowd. Because there's so many other people publishing, writing papers yeah. every year, every conference. There's just tons yeah. of papers. If, yeah, if it's like it, information glut almost. So, you know, the biggest uh, biggest criticism of, of my website um, from myself um, is that I don't personally have the time to track everything like I used to. Yeah. But part of it is because of how much is, is appearing. Um, and you know, it, at, when Matt said one paper would appear and everyone would read it. Um, and, I, you know, there's there's all of this stuff on the website that's so out of date. I don't want to delete because for some of it, they, they're sort of, sort of the only point, that's the only place that points to some of them. Um, but it's certainly not organised in, in any kind of logical format except for chronological. Um, and, and yeah, I've had a couple of hiccups with, with the site and things that have just when I've been in a flurry of excitement of getting things done, when there's kind of a setback, you know, you're worried about losing everything, like the time I lost the website. <laughs> tell, oh, do you remember that? that? Yeah, I, tell us about that. I think it was, it was four, or four or five years ago now, probably five years ago. I was hosting, when I moved from GeoCity, so I, that wonderful Athens Acropolis address, which I picked because of my surname. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's completely the Greek history in the family. Um, I love that. Uh, and, you know, eventually found out I could afford a domain name and needed a host. I was, one of my previous hobbies was um, was brick filming and making animations out of Lego and what have you, um, amateur oh, yeah. little stop motion animation things. And uh, the uh, guy that took over um, the brick films website, um, this great guy, Josh, I think was his name. He also, in order to maintain the, the brick film stuff, he offered hosting packages so people could run their own websites, which was great. Um, the back that was a backbone of the Howling Phantods for years, until uh, he sold the site um, to someone else. And uh, when that all went through, uh, eventually they just cut off the hosting to all of these other people that were paying for hosting without letting any of us know. Rad. Um, so one day I got a flurry of emails from people saying the Howling Phantods is gone, and that was the first oh time I gosh. found out. And <laughs> I, I I remember 
frantically trying to get in touch with the people who now own the whole thing. And they said, oh, no, we've, we've just turned it all off. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and there are, cool. so for, yeah, so for a few days I was using archive.org and everything because that's, that's pretty up to date um, of just ripping everything, all the content and everything into text files to save that while I was negotiating with them. And really it got to the point where they said, oh, look, we'll, we'll um, turn your server back on so you can access your stuff. But you have to pay us. Oh my gosh! Um, and it was it wasn't it wasn't hundreds of dollars. It was a you know it was a, it was an affordable amount. And I for me I was so angry at that point. It's like well if I can pay some money and get my stuff back, I did. And I, I didn't lose a thing. But there was a there was a time period there I was doing community service announcements at staff meetings. Say so, hey you know that that where we remind you to back up things. Um, <laughs> my last backup from my website was three months ago. Um, you know I might have lost all of this other stuff. Uh, I learned a lot about backing up from that. Wouldn't be surprised. My memory of that, Nick, is that it took like a month. Yeah, it well, like a month? it wasn't. It was. I think it was only about two weeks. Okay. Um, uh, but you know, when at that point I was updating super regularly, so to suddenly not have new things popping up three times a week, um, I was I was scared of it disappearing forever and losing momentum at a at a, a time where the page had lots of momentum. So mm. now I'm not so worried about that stuff. I just, yeah. you know, I use Twitter a lot and Facebook and, and I update when I have time and the big things. I can't track every little thing now. It's just impossible. Um, yeah. and, and that's what I use Twitter for mostly. That's that's yeah. try and retweet and get everything out there. So, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I think the same here. I mean, I, I was wondering if the, the WallaCell listserv too is really, it's been sort of taken over by social media. Yes. You know, and, and a lot of the stuff, it used to be every time we had a link, we would put it on the mm. listserv. And now I just put it all on Twitter or on Facebook. And I probably have more Twitter followers than I do members of WallSL, although mm. it's not a perfect overlap, right? Mm. So I, I don't know that WallSL will ever go away. And, you know, I haven't told the story on the podcast yet, but WallSL is a spinoff of Pension L. Yes, yeah, and, and I think you said that in the first episode. Well, Pensionel was really started by a bunch of, I would say the website was taken over and hosted by a bunch of sort of vegan anarchists from Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> from Minneapolis. And they were also very into Burning Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Right. Have to be. And they have never asked for a dime from me. And they have, in the spirit of true, like, because, you know, if you go to Burning Man, like, they don't spend money. Like, you cannot spend money there. Oh, really? Right? Everything is done with just, like, the is there, like, spirit of giving. for currency? No, there's no currency. Everything is given <laughs> with, like, the spirit of love and giving. Right? <laughs> so you don't, you don't charge anyone for anything. And Wallacell is coming up in April on its 20th anniversary. Uh, now wow. I have I took over from the original guy who set it up, Dan Schmidt. Dan is still on Twitter, Dan underscore Schmidt. You should follow him. Super interesting dude. He right. he passed the reins to me. It's coming up on fourteen years now. Wow! So fourteen years, and I gotta say, in that time, we have seen a lot, a lot of changes. Not only in you know Wallace's life, but in technology and. I feel like the whole thing is still evolving and Wallace L, Wallace studies in general have come a long ways. And 
yet they are still not as codified as some other big writers, you know? Right. So I, I was going to ask Nick or Dave, either one of you, if you are, I mean, to me, I'm not, I'm not as involved in like um, any other writer societies, but I know there are other big like established societies. Do you have any experience with that? None. <laughs> not, none at all. Not at all. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I mean, I know like in the U.S., like Faulkner, like they have a big conference every year. And you can go and like see where he wrote. And, you know, it's a big part of the University of Mississippi. It's like formally and now like there's a statue of him, right? Mm. Like an actual statue. <laughs> and, and Wallace, I mean, the closest thing we have is this conference at ISU, which is really not a central part of the university at all. Like it's still very much on the fringes. Right. And Wallace is still very young. You know, he's the youngest to ever be acquired by the Ransom Center hmm. um, by only a few years now. But still, still feels like there's a lot more to come, you know, like, Nick, what do you what do you predict is going to happen in our lifetimes? Like, what are we going to are we going to see a, a Wallace statue or institute or <laughs> no, yeah, mu- museum? a diaper statue. on the statue? Of Liberty? <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a side there, my dearie me, I'm so conscious of my Australian swearing. There's been a couple of times where I've really just just held back. I don't, I don't know. I Twitter amazed me. I, I avoided Twitter for a long time because I was one of those those why people why you why is it interesting to tweet what you're buying at the shops and stuff. And I remember <laughs> I realized that Matt, you would there was so much stuff that you were tweeting, and uh, I was kind of following that by the side. And I, I remember I joined up as an experiment and suddenly my brain exploded um I, so i i mean with technology stuff it's very difficult to predict it's very it's very difficult yeah. I, and that's not even something i feel comfortable doing um except except for the fact of how much of infinite jest seems to have pointed into the future and um had some parallels some surprising parallels about mm-hmm. consumption of entertainment i think yeah well, and I, you know, I don't know about either one of you guys. And like, if I admit it, like I probably am addicted to technology in some way. Yeah, like completely. It's, yeah. it's very difficult for me to even, you know, I read about these people who go on like, oh, a retreat and don't take any electronics and they're gone for like two weeks. And I'm like, that sounds like hell to me. <laughs> yes, it, it yeah, yeah. Yet, I agree. So I mean, for me, like I, I, like I'm not proud of it, but I'm on my <laughs> phone or a computer like most of the waking time I'm uh, alive now, and I sort of feel like that's become the modern condition. So, so yeah. I, I agree. Um, there's the, for, for me, I find it so helpful because I just if there's something that I know I don't need to remember and I can find somewhere, I don't bother remembering it, um, and that <laughs> and that doesn't even bother me. I just think it gives me great headspace. Um, yeah. there's, there's, I've got room for other things now. Uh, but the, the other thing as well is that, I mean, this podcast here typifies that kind of thing in that we've got this community that's spread all around the world and now we're talking like we spend every day together. Um, and that, you, Matt, you mentioned in conference stuff before, I, I remember flying back to Australia being completely shattered that I might not see these people again soon. Um, yeah. And yet, all of the online stuff has kept a lot of those friendships and relationships going to some extent. Anyway, mm-hmm. no, I yeah. I agree. When Wallace says, like, you know, the the purpose of literature is to make you feel less alone. Yeah, 
And, you know, I used to feel like, oh, well, how can you really relate? How can a book replace a person? But for me, it really has. And like, I really feel like I have as good of friends online through literature or that I've met through literature than than I do in, you know, in real life. And part of that is the transitory nature of real life versus the sort of static nature of you know, that's sort of what we've been talking about of this book has been there for me for 20 years. And Nick and I have known each other probably 18 years. Yes. Yes. And I mean, that's longer than I know, like most of my friends, most of your friends. from yeah. university. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I just thought of a question because it, to, to hop back to something we we're talking about before, Matt, we, we've grown up with Infinite Jest. Yeah. I, I, I really feel that I have become an adult reading Infinite Jest. Um, mm. what, what changes have you noticed in, in reading it as you've got older? Have you, have you got anything new out of it or? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I was very fond of and related to Helen Candenza right off the bat. And mm-hmm. I felt like here's a sad, misunderstood, you know. Lexical prodigy. Yeah, young man. <laughs> and that that is my guy. And then, you know, now I feel like the real struggle is about Don Gately. And, Gately. And it's a really, you know, what I'm writing about with my friend Rob right now on my Simple Ranger site is yes. really about... It's about AA, and I, I think that's something that didn't make sense to me when I'm 22 and I'm just yeah. going out and like, you know, we'll have a few beers and whatever. You wake up the next day and you're fine, yeah. and then you find yourself surrounded by 40 year old people who are basically all functional alcoholics, <laughs> and you think like, damn, something, <laughs> yeah. something has really changed in my life, and that it's not so much. It's about making it you know and through this week and through next year and through you know the the fun of all of that is gone so i mean to me i relate a lot more to the aa sections even right. though i don't i'm not in aa i don't relate to aa at all but like the stuff that wallace identified with there to me i mean that's starting to make a lot more sense to me right now i gotta say like i'm very interested in and in why that appealed to wallace right now yeah. i've um yeah, I completely agree with you there. There's 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 a lot aging and and thinking about, I, I guess habits you get into and that kind of stuff. Um, that infinite jest still makes me question some of those things um, in a in a very good way. Um, I'm thinking back to when I emailed a few people from Wallace L right after my mum died, and um, mm. and I was kind of fishing for for quotes that I could read out at her funeral. Um, just wondering for suggestions. I mean, you know, that's the level of my obsession. What I wanted to do was read Wallace at my mum's funeral. Um, and I ended up quoting from um, the Marathon Steeply section about choosing to love. Um, you know, that, uh, and there's a big, a big part of that with, um, with mum dying and me not being particularly close to her and making an active public choice to read a section about um, choosing to to have a certain relationship with the person and making that decision to rather than, you know, having love as automatic because they're family members or, or what have you. Um, that, that hugely resonated at the time. And every time I read those sections in the book, I'm, I think about that contradiction, um, and those different types of love that exist. That's, that's absolutely fascinating to me. And on my first read, second read, um, I, I know I tried to rush through the Marath Steeply stuff. Like, I, I feel like I was so young that I didn't really get it. There were some good jokes in there, maybe over the top, bit silly, you know, but and, 
as I got older, that stuff became wonderful. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I agree 100%. And, you know, what I was thinking about today, Nick, is how much you and I read that book, uh, you know, pre-2005 or 2006, and really just focused on a lot of textual stuff. And then after Wallace died and it came out, you know, that he had been a depressive and he yes. had lived in a halfway house and we had this Grenada house sort of testimonial yes. and we, it totally changed the reading of the book for mm -hmm. me now. And now I see it almost as a completely autobiographical book. And it's mm -hmm. very hard for me to not read it and think, what was Wallace thinking at the time? Which, I, honestly, I didn't think of at all no, when I first read it. Completely, completely agree with you. I didn't think that at all either. I, I read it as Infinite Jest, this story, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I did get to read it like that mm. because it, it does cast such a cloud over a reading of it, and it's very difficult to move beyond that when you're reading any section. I mean, the, the oh, Kate, yeah. Kate Gompert section in the hospital with the interview with, yeah. the, with oh, that God, young it's doctor. just brutal. That's right. Well, I, I was rereading it uh, this week, and there was a, as a part where Pat Montesian is sitting in her office, and this, this sort of conversation's overheard of people going in and out of her office, and a guy walks in and just says, I'm wondering if there's any program prayer for when you feel like hanging yourself. Yes. And I was like, oh, yes. Jesus. Like, just took the breath out of me, thinking, mm -hmm. like, I can't imagine him thinking about this from you know 1994 or whenever mm. he wrote this yeah. on and and uh, you know at the time i wouldn't have even thought twice about it just thinking oh he's got some great material in here about addicts <laughs> yeah. uh, because it, i was honestly he was very cagey and uh, straight up lied about a lot of his you know it's anonymous program right so you're not mm. supposed to admit you're in it Yes. Uh, so he straight up lied and he was very cagey about he just sat in on some of these meetings and it, it was very easy to distance yourself as a work of literature and to say, oh, it's it's just literature. Mm. But I, for me, I, it's it's been too affecting almost to reread it entirely. That's one of the reasons I dip in and dip out, I think. And I'm trying to I'm ahead of the game on um, Infinite Winter right now because I've got it. I'm currently reading it. So I'm sort of just following along right now seeing where people are up to and, and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. you know one of the one of the things i didn't know if i was going to mention it but i'm going to mention it because i feel comfortable doing so is that um some of the the psychology kind of um seeing someone you know trying to get someone to help with your problems and that kind of stuff and you know from the parody of the professional conversationalist to <laughs> some of the help stuff that um that hal goes to at the end with the the inner teddy bear and that kind of stuff yeah. Um, spoil um, inner infants, inner, inner infants, that kind of stuff. Um, we had a, a, a kind of a bit of a tragedy um, at our our high school and had a, lost a student. And um, mm. the end result was for me, I ended up going to see people through work to deal with that. I'd mm. never experienced anything like that before. But I found that when I was in the process of talking to professionals about helping me and my mental state, that I I had that meta conversation in my head about the conversation we were having and it felt like sequences of you know infinite jest or some of the short stories of the depressed person where where I'm I'm playing a game with myself and the person I'm talking to and I found it absolutely fascinating to the point then I would bring up Dave Foster Wallace and say that this is this is the stuff I read and I'm fascinated by and I'm playing a game with you while I'm talking to that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and and it helped. Yeah. It actually really helped. Which was yeah. the surprising mm -hmm. part. I, 
found it very comforting that it, once again, the, the, the cliche that everyone mentions that it feels like reading Wallace is like the voice in your head. Even though we're all different people, there's just something, there's some point that he touches upon that makes these things real and helpful and accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I've thought a lot about that too, about how, you know, what he must have gone through to get to this point to write the book. Yes. And and that's not something that I really paid much attention to. And, I, you know, this is, brings up a lot of complicated issues about sort of how much do you play into the intentional fallacy? How much do you yeah. regard the authorial voice at all? But to me, they're almost inextricable with Wallace because he died so young and we have his biography and we know sort of what he went through to write these books. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for me to look at that book and say, uh, you know, what was his AA story like? Mm. What, what was his, what was he able to get through from his childhood, you know, to get to the point where he says, you know what, I'm going to live in a halfway house. Yeah. So that, that's been very, you know, that's changed the reading of the book for me. Mm-hmm. And at least kept me, you know, interested as an adult, because I see myself now at about the age. And, you know, I've also thought about someday I'm going to pass the age. Like I turned 40 this year. I'm going to pass the age when Wallace died. Yes. Yeah. And like, that's a sort yes. of milestone for me because he talks about it in the, this is water speech, right? He says, you know, about maybe making it till 50. Mm. He did not And he did not but he, mm. he brought that up. And so I, I sort of think like, I've got some milestones in my life, you know, outliving my grandfather, yeah. outliving Wallace, um, you know, seeing my kids have their own kids. You know, there, there's a lot of milestones you have in your life, but like, that's one of mine. And I, hmm. I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure why it's, he's had such a big impact on our lives, but, um, it's it's definitely changed the way like there's no other book for me that compares this way right like i i've yeah. read a ton of a ton of other books and mm-hmm. there's none to me like i could name other writers who have committed suicide i've can i could name other writers who died young yes and i've still i've 20 years on i haven't been able to find anything that's really compared it to me mm-hmm. you know at this sort of visceral personal level yeah um i'm i it's Wallace tattoos. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> um, do you have one, Nick? I, I do. Um, yep. And that's a, that's a new thing. Um, oh. uh, I didn't know that. I didn't no, know that. no, I haven't, I haven't, what I haven't is it told up? anyone in the Wallace community about it. I've, I've, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it got sparked by the, um, uh, that, that wonderful article by Casey Henry, the, the, um, the one that I posted about recently about the annular circles in Infinite Jest. Yes, and some of I remember. Yeah. And, and um, the partially occluded circle and that kind of stuff. Um, mm. I, so I copied, I, that's terrible. Once again, I can't remember the, the guy that also has one. He's got one on his wrist, one of the circles. And oh, I, I've, I've seen that on Google. Peter yeah. Knox. Yeah, Peter that's Knox. it, Peter Knox. So I pretty much copied Peter. Um, but yeah. I, I, I've wanted a tattoo for a long time, um, but just wanted to make sure it was something that I was comfortable with. Um, yeah. and then, so Peter Knox ones has been sitting there for a while, but when this article came out, it made me realize just how important infinite jest is to my life. And there's part mm. of, part of me that feels a bit like I'm, um, tattooing myself with, you know, 
bit of bit of conflict initially about it, but it just means so much to me. I, I can't believe I got it done. Um, a friend yeah, of mine, that's but, huge. I but, love it. I but, love but, it. And it's um it's like just on the inside of my left arm above the elbow, so I can see it a lot, but it's not really public. So it, it's 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 there for me as well. So yeah, a friend and I went out and got got tattoos together which was nice and that's part you know one thing i've turned 40 as well so i was like i want to do something a bit different that'll that'll age well because it's been 40 years before i got my first yeah. one but i've got the bug i tell you it's <laughs> it was, it was a, I, yeah. I enjoyed the experience a lot way more than i expected way i love it. it yeah that's I, funny you guys talking about this this concept of infinite jest becoming so much a part of identity mm-hmm. and I, I made kind of a controversial statement in my intro post last week for infinite winter where i said that you know i'm not sure if someone who hasn't read this book can fully understand me and that was <laughs> uh, particularly controversial because my wife rachel she hasn't uh she hasn't read the book in entirety yet so she like she proofread it and she kind of looked at me after and she's like so this sentence is pretty interesting <laughs> and i was like yeah i know so we had like a long talk about it and it was it was fascinating um but she's reading it now part of infinite winter and her mom is and i think her sister is too so um but 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 i hear what you guys are saying about that idea that this book does something weird psychologically where it becomes so entrenched in who you are and the way that you see the world and think about things that there really is you know you can share a lot with other readers of this book that maybe you can't with people who haven't uh, experienced it. Com- completely, completely. Totally. Yeah, um, totally. Janie hasn't made it through, uh, my partner hasn't made it through Infinite Jest, and I don't think she ever will, mm. but she's, read, she's, she's, <laughs> read, all, she's read all the short fiction, all the essays, and loves oh, them, yeah, really cool. likes them. Yeah, Rachel's but, read some of that stuff too. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I'm, she's, she sees where I'm coming from and sees the obsession there. But I, in the last year, the, the real excitement for me is that my brother finished Infinite Jest, um, oh, and... Yeah. and uh, from everything that I've spoken to him about, he really enjoyed it. And and cool. another friend of mine picked up Infinite Jess and is currently reading Infinite Jess. And I'm once again, it's that thing that you. I, I agree with you that it it has become so um, such a part of my personality. It has mm. that when I know people have read it, then I, I do feel like they understand more about me and where I'm coming yeah. from. Um, that's mm. pretty. Uh, on the one hand, it's pretty big. On the other side, it's kind of scary, obsessive stuff. I'm, sure yeah it could go both ways everyone has their thing though right like yeah I think, you know, my wife, when I was courting her, I tried to get her to read it. I pulled out these different sections. I was like, just start here. Don't even start at the beginning. Just read this section. And she was like, what are you doing? I, you know, I'm not going to read this. And, <laughs> but she's accepted. I mean, on the other flip side of that, I have not run a marathon. And that's something really <clears throat> important to her. So, right, like, yeah. people who have run marathons, they sort of have this bond. You know, or yeah. people who have, you know, I don't know, skydived or people who have gone through the grand canyon like they have a bond and people who play netrunner there you go android netrunner like (laughs) you have a bond and like i i have a bond with people who have really not just read infinite just once but like with me it's that's what i was trying to relate to with nick earlier is like nick and i would go way back like forget reading it once we've read it once 20 years ago yes and it's sort of like we've been through war since then and we're <laughs> literally we've been in the shit. yeah we've been in the shit like literally yeah. the guy we looked up to killed himself yes yeah. and that was, was i'm still not over it and the guy like, that did, wrote so much about how to survive the darkest times in your life didn't make it and 
I know that there are people who are detractors and say, see, that's why you shouldn't trust his stuff. But for me, it's quite the opposite. He was able to share that and he was in the midst of it. And we never Mm. knew. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I never blamed him for a second. I never felt bad about it. And like I say, I had some personal interactions with Wallace where he was not kind to me. And And I apologize he, I apologized on his behalf I was like he doesn't really like social interactions he doesn't really you know like I I felt like there was nothing that he could have done to because he wrote these books there was nothing he could have done to alienate me yeah <laughs> right. yeah and see I never reached out to contact him never um, early on I was thinking about it but then when it became very clear with conversations with people uh, around the scene that you know, if I wrote to him, he would definitely write back because he had to. He did um, it for everyone. Yeah, I mean, for everyone. And I didn't want to put him in that position. And also because mm-hmm. the Howling Fantods for a very long time, and I still try to avoid it, I try to make it about the writing and not him. That's very difficult yeah, right. these days. And so it kind yeah. of felt like I knew he knew the website existed and that he wasn't totally comfortable with it. And so I didn't want to push boundaries, I guess. And yeah. I'm sad I never did, but I'm glad I never did. It's it's a very, yeah, it's an odd position. Well, and honestly, I've never written a fan letter to a writer, period. Mm. And because I do feel like what you're saying, it distracts them from what they're doing, their work. Mm. And I do, a couple years ago, I discovered though, Nick, that, you know, I shared this with you, that your, there was printouts of your website from like 1998 in the Ransom Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, that Wallace's agent, Bonnie Nadell, had printed them out and faxed them to <laughs> Michael Peach at, at Little Brown. Maybe this was 2000. Yeah. You know, this was after this was after I think brief interviews had come out and you yes. had a banner ad up there or something. And she had faxed and just been like, this is crazy. Like, be yeah. aware of this. And just because it was so rare at the time to have a fan who cared so much to actually create a literary fiction website, like a fan site, it was unheard of, unheard of. Which, which, which brings me to, um, I'm, I'm mindful of time here, um, but um, um, the Howling Fantods, I first named the site and I've written about it, the Screaming Fantods, because I totally misremembered the phrase. When I was, so so I, I don't know if somebody contacted me via email or through the website comments or something like, oh, Nick, it's the Howling Fantods. I feel like such an idiot. But for me, for me, that, that phrase embodies, you know, that there's a real feeling there. And, and when you're there, it's kind of terrifying. And when um, the Wallace community, when fans started calling themselves Fantods, my brain once again, did this snap? For me, I never conceived of the idea that Wallace Fan and Fan Todds was a link. It was just I wanted a name for the site oh, that yeah. was synonymous with the depth of Infinite emotion Jest. that Infinite Jest. But and you know that mm-hmm. some real and and then it, that was kind of out of my control. And I've always found it kind of amusing and annoying um, because I probably would have titled it something else if I'd realised the word like the the fan was in there um oh that's so funny yeah so it's so <laughs> i think you picked like the best phrase from infinite jest for it and i think like when we were trying to think of a name for this podcast i was like ah oh, i wish the howling Fantods wasn't already established that'd be great. <laughs> well hey nick I, I i know it's getting uh past an hour now yep. I, I just want to say thank you for coming on thank the show you. it's been so yeah. good talking to you i hope that we can hang out again soon it's mm. been it's been too long brother it has been. It's been too long. I have one thing to say before we go, um, and yeah. that is when comfort reading stuff. I found that a really cool question. My comfort oh, yeah. reading, my comfort From reading, Chris is Earth. trashy horror. 
So, oh. my, so, so as a kid, I read it, you know, everything by Stephen King, haven't in years, but my real, real love was Clive Barker. And to be honest, oh, prob- probably <laughs> still is. Um, I've got all these books on my Kindle and I just, that's what I flick to when I'm tired. But when I read Wallace's review of The Great and Secret Show, which for a while was one of my very favourite books. I, I loved thought, that book. I loved it, but I felt <laughs> broken after reading his review because oh, I you just it, rip it apart. It's quite, yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, <laughs> I think it's quite spot on. Um, but there was this time where I was so embarrassed that I love Clive Barker. Um, because Wallace so disliked The Great and Secret Show. But that's, yeah, that's kind of the path that I go down. And The Leftovers, love it. Love it so, so much. TV show, The Leftovers. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, just yeah, incredible, so incredible television. A show I would never expect that I would have loved. Uh, yeah. 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 It's been so great that's talk great. to you, Nick. Yeah, it's been wonderful. I really, yeah, Nick. I really enjoyed it, man. We should just get on Skype some other time and, and have yeah, a chat. Totally. That'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me on the show. Awesome. Yeah, you're welcome, Nick. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much for the work you do with the website as well, man. It's been such a hub for the community for so long. And keep up the great work, man. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, Nick, uh, through social media or other ways, where can they do that? Um, well, they can follow me on Twitter um, at Nick underscore Maniatis. Of course, they can hit me up at thehowlingfantods.com forward slash DFW. Um, but the other mm-hmm. thing that I kind of run in the background as well, I, I host a, a podcast by my mate, Matt, called The Chattering Classes, and that is um, about hour-long interviews with essentially our friendship group, but a lot of teachers, a lot of people involved in education, and a lot of oh, cool. a number of ex-students who are now adults. So talking to ex-students about what they remember of you when you taught them is um, is <laughs> super interesting. So I'll make yeah, sure that you get the link to that as well, so if people are keen on hearing some great personal conversation stuff, they can. That's Awesome. Maybe also you can send us a picture of uh, your tattoo. Oh, yeah, and okay. We can put that oh, as the. Right. Uh, we can tweet that out as the as the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Image on Twitter or whatever, that'd if be, you want. That'd if not, be... That's cool too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Nick. It's been rad talking to you, man. Cheers. Uh, as usual, housekeeping things. Uh, Robin O'Neill has done our podcast icon, so thanks, Robin. Thanks to the band Parquet Courts for their song "Instant Disassembly." And if you want to get in touch with us, Matt, where can people find us? Well, before I say that, one last thing. I got to give a shout out to our listener Sam, who I ran into last week at the Oh yeah, yeah. at the Harry Ransom Center for the 20th anniversary celebration of Infinite Jest. I want to say hello, Sam. I want to say if you can email us, it's at concavityshow at gmail dot com. We're on Twitter at at concavity show, and we're on Instagram. I think also at concavity show. Is that right, Dave? Yeah. That's right. Didn't you say it was Convexity yeah. Show Day? No, 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 That's a <laughs> North American so, thing. <laughs> so, Nick, as an Australian, part of the British Commonwealth, would you land as a Convexityist as well, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> another, another one for the good guys. I'll get Johnny Gentle on the case. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll do some work for sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Nick. Thanks for listening. Ignored. It cuts to my... Oh,